Hi, this is Pete and Tim, and it's record time. We often listen to music in a disconnected stream of different songs. The radio, DJs, playlists on shuffle. That's how they all work, doling out one random artist after another. And we often listen on the go. Music barely ever gets our full attention. But it does on record time, where we dive deep into some of the best albums ever recorded. Let's give a little time and our full mind over to the vision of a single musical artist. This week, that artist is the band Arcade Fire. The album is The Suburbs. And for those who like a liquid accompaniment to their active listening, we've paired this record with the localist IPA we could find. Hi, Pete. How are you, Tim? I'm well. Uh, I've been really looking forward to diving into this album. I, I hope we can keep this somewhat lean, but there is so much to say. Yeah, it's going to be hard to yeah. do. Um, this is their third album, Arcade Fire. Uh, yep. 2010. 2010, quite a while ago at this point. Happier days in many <laughs> ways. Um but Their previous albums were not quite as long, not quite as broad, um, but certainly gave a lot of musical clues as to where they were going. Yeah, and they were all ambitious. They were always ambitious yeah. from the start. Uh, always very cinematic, but I feel like this album really took that to a new level. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, for them, as well as for music in some small ways. I mean, it's not the first cinematic album ever, but... Uh, it's a gorgeous concept album, and for 2010, one thing I was really struck by is how much of an album it is. Oh, yeah. A side one and a side two. Well, actually, it was, interestingly, four vinyl sides when it came out on vinyl. Mm. It definitely feels like side one, side two, as if it was a double CD, but it's one CD. Mm -hmm. uh, put out in a time, yeah, where, like, CDs of, like, 70 minutes right. were not uncommon at that point. Right. Uh and, you know, also being released in the digital era, right. I think it's very cool that it's still like a super complete album. There's great singles on it. There's super monster tracks, but it really is an album in every way. And I knew that we would inevitably get into concept albums, uh, yeah. but I didn't want to do like Dark Side of the Moon. Right. I didn't want to do some of the some of the more uh, well well studied ones. Yeah, well documented. Yeah, this is kind of a sneaky concept album. <laughs> it is. But it isn't. It also kind of hits you over the head with it too. Well, it it does. So, one thing I wanted to mention about this band that I respect so much and it kind of goes into what you're saying. I feel like Arcade Fire is is symbolic in a lot of ways of these sort of uh leadless bands, right? These sort of massive groups of people making coordinated music, right? Where they don't have, I mean, certainly they have lead singers in each song. They have a featured vocalist, and that sort of alternates from person to person, which is one signal that you're dealing with a uh, a group band instead right. of a, a band with a, a, a lead singer, traditional lead singer, like my boy Chris Robinson or, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, Robert Plant or Robert whoever. Robert Plant or whoever. 
Yeah. Um, there are no heroes in this band. Right. You know, there's none of those sort of like rock star feature players. Everybody's yes. a feature player. Yeah. And and I so, so admire that. And that whole sort of genre of of groups that are, you know, larger than the sum of their parts. Yep. Um, that and is, that's certainly the case here. And that seems to be the case with, I feel like, most modern rock bands, is that they are much more the, sort of like this entity, uh, this sort of edifice, <laughs> uh, yeah. without those featured players as much. Though, even though, like, I know people who I like in this band uh, and I feel like it does have individual con contributors that are wonderful but it really isn't about the musicianship or whatever attitude or bravado of any individual it's really about the group aesthetic and the music that comes out of that and the music really thrives as a result because you're not you're not here well I'm not hearing this music through the filter of this person whose personality I kind of you know factor into everything that they're producing the, the the vocals become an instrument. Yeah. Right? It's something I used to love about uh, listening to a lot of, like, Antonio Carlos Jobim or a lot of Brazilian music. Um, you know, music from languages that I don't understand. I'm not focused on what they're saying. And that ends up happening in this album so much, which is why it sneaks up on me as a concept album. Especially because there's oh so much that they're saying. Yes. Uh, and, it, and I feel like, for myself, in researching for this episode, I felt like I spent more time getting to understand the themes and the in the lyrics and that sort of thing than I did the musical kind of aspect of it as much as I love to study that too. Yeah. There there's so much to it. Can I just rewind really quickly? My history with Arcade Fire mm. is like they were this band that came out in this litany of indie bands that came around I feel like all at the same time. Like it was the confusing. Polyphonic Spree and the National yep. and and Arcade Fire was in there, and Arctic Monkeys, and all these bands. And I was like, yeah, 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 okay, another sort of hipster band. <laughs> Saw them on SNL doing Keep the Car Running. Mm. And had this simultaneous reaction of like, okay, this is like too cute. The girl is like playing hurdy-gurdy, and the dude has weird hair. And yeah. it's like, but then I watched them, and they're like, all of them are so into it. Mm -hmm. All of them believe so much in what they're doing. They throw themselves bodily into every performance. Yep. And so I was conflicted when I watched them on SNL like uh, it seems kind of dweeby and at the same time like what do they have going on here yeah there's uh, no aspect of their existence as a band despite the fact that they don't have a prominent lead singer whose personality drives everything right. there's no part of being a band that they don't take extremely seriously oh my god lyrically They're, it's out of this world musically yeah. it's out of this world visually Brother, it's out a, of this world front man. Yeah, their it's videos true. are yeah. unbelievable <laughs> and we will get to the one that is staggering oh my good. god and their live performances are amazing right. I've watched a lot of YouTube live shows of them in the last month yeah. uh, because I've just been so captivated by them yeah because in like Neon Bible, I heard uh, Ocean of Noise on Radio Paradise, our beloved internet. Yes. Shout out to the yes. coolest oh my God. curated radio station on the internet, radioparadise.com. If you are sitting around, and certainly this is not the case because you're listening to us, but when this episode is over and you're sitting around sometime and you don't know what to listen to, the answer is Radio Paradise. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I've heard a few Arcade Fire songs on there, but that one really got me mm -hmm. and I picked up Neon Bible and I was like, oh my God. So then when the suburbs came out, I was super psyched. Yeah. And I feel like I didn't even scratch the surface of it when it came out. Nor I. Uh, and then like Arcade Fire just became one of the beloved and then Re uh, Reflector came out and I love that album. That album I absolutely consumed. Crazy for uh, it. Everything Now is amazing. 
Like, then you, when I was watching these YouTubes, you just see them and they're so psyched and they're so humble. When Butler comes on the mic, he's like, man, if I knew I was going to play Coachella, like you would, I would have said, you're <laughs> out of your fucking mind. This is amazing. <laughs> we love you. We don't take this for granted. This is so amazing. Yeah. Like every single show. Yeah. They are like, oh my God, I cannot believe this is our life. They remind me of, uh, I mean, a pretty incredible band in my view, OK Go. Oh yeah. In that they just are complete. Like I'm when I'm experiencing OK Go, I never know what they started with. Right. And I somewhat feel similarly. It's a little less intense with Arcade Fire. Um, it's fairly clearly the music first, but everything is so complete and everything is so joined together. Uh, that I really admire it. Let's talk uh, briefly about. Well, I'm sorry. Did you finish? No, I'm, I mean I more or less did. They like, yeah. became one of yeah one of the beloved. So just a couple things about 2010. So we've got uh, Kanye West, My Dark Twisted Fantasy came out that year. Mm. Uh, <laughs> All uh, right. That was uh, Janelle Monae and uh, uh, so fun. Know, like tightrope and uh, yep. That was her big year for that. Man alive, that's uh, fun. Katy Perry was huge. Uh, Lady Antebellum. <laughs> TikTok by Kesha came out. Okay. Uh, Inception, Social Network, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, uh, America, uh, Affordable Care Act, uh, Hades Earthquake, which actually speaks to Arcade Fire because uh, Regine, um, their awesome female singer, a multi-instrumentalist, oh. is, her family is Haitian, oh. and uh, you know, so they have a lot of deep ties to Haiti. And when that earthquake happened, they hurriedly went out on tour and raised a million dollars for Haiti. Relief. Arcade Fire did? Yeah. Wow. For the, this tour, too, the suburbs. Wow. Yes. So again, in the midst of all that, this album uh, took international position yeah. as just the top of the heap. Yep. Uh, record of the year in the states, a Juno. Not that I know what that is. A Brit. Not that I know what that is, but I get a sense. <laughs> um, and the Polaris record. Did you know about this? I don't award? know what that is. No. So this is some international. I should have done more research on it, but they won the Polaris award. There's like ten finalists that are announced, and then. Ultimately, they won it, and it comes with a $30,000 prize, which I suppose is chump change to them at that point. But um, I don't know much else about it, but it's an international look at the most exemplary or the best recording there is. And, and <laughs> like every other top award, the suburbs took it that year, 2011. And that's why I want to like chew on it, because I feel yeah. like it's so easy to listen to an album and be like, yeah, cool. There's so much that's coming out all the time uh, that it's easy to get just focused on what's right in front of you, right in front of you, right in front of you. But this album like has repeat listen potential and oh, man. like deep digestion level. Uh, unlike most albums yeah. of its time. Yeah. Um, you could spend time focusing on the bass. You could spend time focusing on the vocals. You could spend time focusing on the lyrics. Uh, and I do separate those intentionally. Yeah. Uh, you could spend time focusing on whatever you want, time after time, and it's never going to let you down. I mean, I was just listening to all like the little background sound effects. Yep. And like the 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 album is mixed very consistently in a really great way. The drums are very upfront and pretty dry and mm -hmm. kind of toppy, and then and then the guitars are really upfront and kind of often pan so that you really get a upfront in your face kind of guitar. And then there's like this reverbed out wash Wall. that happens yeah. behind it it's like murky and kind of fuzzed out and dark and like it's almost too much for your ears but it doesn't muddy anything no. somehow it does not mask anything everything even though it's clear. there and sort of framing everything yeah it's just gorgeous it really is and I feel like it it, it kind of amplifies the themes of the record before I mean, we dive in track by track the one yeah. thing I wanted to say we've mentioned it got uh, you know all these top awards I would venture to say it is rare 
I think so often best picture, best out, you know, album of the year, whatever, is sort of re- representative of sales. Yeah. Not unlike the last album that we talked about, <laughs> right? Um, this is, I think, a rarity in that it get got all those awards, but it has this depth and it has this sort of artistic value. Um, not yeah. that not the thriller was devoid of it by any stretch, or other record of the years are not, but this one seems particularly thick to me. Um, Absolutely. Oh, and yeah. that's it's it's just nice to see, because <laughs> I don't think it's all that common. No, it isn't, uh, and they and they really sell it. I mean, like it's it's not a perfect record, I don't think. No. But uh, it's really it hangs together in such a kind of like like a diamond. Every re- things reflect off each other. Like it's just this perfectly etched piece in a lot of ways. What do you think are like the, you know, just briefly on the overarching concept? If it is a concept album, like, yeah. What is it about? Um, it seems to me to attempt to capture, I, I had a lot of thoughts around this and I think it kind of runs up against the thought I've been having a lot recently about my own life. Um, when you have memories of times and places and you are not in touch anymore with the people that were also there, that's a difficult position to be in when you have these really fond feelings and really detailed memories of these place, times and places yeah. um, that only a few people know about. All my friends, they don't know me now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, the, and, and you don't have those people to share that with. Nope. It can feel simultaneously superhuman and totally isolated. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of thrilling and, and terribly sad at the same time. Um, and I feel like... <laughs> and I feel and like I feel <laughs> uh, that is really the if there's one single heartbeat through this album, I feel like it's that sort of ennui of um, there was a place and and but it also shines a light on the accessibility of that. So we've talked in in advance of this recording, you and I, about how we have some really similar memories of of that time of our lives right. that sort of that sort of you know mirror a lot of the specific stories in this album mm-hmm. and though we were not there together we can identify pretty well we have a real good approximation or triangulation of each other's moments like that even though we, yeah we didn't share them i feel like the, the, this record gets into something universal about a that american Uniquely American kind of childhood upbringing. Yeah. Not in the country, not in the city. Um, right. Smack dab in between. And I, and so I feel like smack dab in between is the, is the theme. Yes. You know, like between past and present. Yep. Uh, between obligation and desire. There's between responsibility and lack thereof. Yes. Between uh, youth, adulting yes. and, and youth being thing. taken care of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Being where you are and wanting to be anywhere else. Right. And then missing being elsewhere and missing that sense of uh, urgency or what whatever nostalgia that you're feeling wanting to be back home again. And it's not that you didn't. It's not, um, you know, my dad used to walk uphill both ways, and it's not like nostalgia. It's it's just it's not saying you don't know how good you had it. You, you didn't know how good you had it at the time. Because they also kind of didn't like it, too. <laughs> well, but it, <laughs> but it, is, it. Yeah. it is, you didn't know how real it was. Yes. You felt like your eyes were elsewhere. Right. But there were real formative things happening. Mm-hmm. And 
I do like to think that I didn't that that I had a little bit of knowledge of, of that time at that time. Um, I didn't, but I don't think it's possible to really no. have the scope of it because you just lack the perspective of looking back. How time could and you, distance. Yeah. How could you ever? Um, and so it's so unfair. Yeah. But they capture it so beautifully. Oh, they do. Track by track, and it's it's all. I think it is just all like poking around in that space and really vacillating between those different aspects. Yeah. Like one, the the songs kind of go in different directions and sort of spin you around yeah. in this place. Yeah. So that by the end you have this 360 view, uh, and yeah, I think in, the heart of it. I don't know what to make of it. I yeah. think the heart of it might be the lyric um, in I think it's Sprawl One, where the cop asks him, yeah. "Where do you kids live?" Yeah. And he responds, uh, "I've been, you know, if you only knew the value of that answer, I've been looking for years." Yep. Um, because I do think Sprawl 1 and 2 are a, a microcosm of the album. Yes. And that's the basically the handoff between those two tracks. Um, Sprawl 2 is almost... I mean, I hate to start at the end, <laughs> but Sprawl 2 is a, a top five song of mine. Really? Um, that high, right? Yeah. I it's... would say it is... And, you know, you sent me the video that they kind of combine that with Blondie, <laughs> yeah. which I'm positive is awesome, yeah. but I have no interest in seeing. Right. Because the, vis- the the imagery I have from Sprawl 2 is a precious movie <laughs> that I wish I could share with people. I, and I can't really describe it. I just... the They're not exactly memories. There's some version of memories translated through this music that is just a, a, a little cinematic piece yes. that I have decided on in my head with that song and it is one of my absolute most precious musical things like that. I don't yeah. know what to call those. Write it up. Th- yeah, well, Write maybe. I, have one I of those. sort of want yeah. it to myself. I have one of those for the Rain song, Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's like an absolute mind, yeah, write a million dollar That's music video. One. That's a great um, one. Totally. So I totally get it. And yeah. I, uh, this is a monster track. I love this song monster so track. much. Yeah. Uh, it's And my favorite versions of it is all the various live versions that I've watched of it oh, the gosh. last couple months. I feel like I might not even be able to handle a live version that strayed at all from the, the music that I know. This is a, a particular weakness of mine. It's why I never got into The Grateful Dead. Right. Because I, oh, interesting. I just hook into an edition yeah. of a song and... Sometimes a, a live version or an alternate version or whatever can can take over, mm-hmm. um, but it's pretty rare for me. Okay, um, you know I also just order the same thing at every restaurant whenever I find something I really like. So <laughs> uh, maybe I'm missing out. We all do that a lot. Yeah, sure. We all have our own version of that. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. I yeah I love all alternate versions. I loved newer interpretations. I love covers. So yeah, yeah like I, that's I'm a musician. I just kind of eat that stuff up. Sure. And I feel like their concerts, their shows are such a celebration and such an awesome, big expression of their music. They're, they're, they have these anthemic themes. Yeah. Everything about them is very just like sort of big and broad, but subtle in, in their own way, but their musical themes are very broad and they do a beautiful job of like rending out all these different little, features and alternate melodies out of these simple chords and simple harmonies and stuff. Uh, yeah, I love how they invert. And it's almost classical, right? It's almost like setting a theme in classical yeah. music yes. and then exploring that theme and kind of inverting it and playing off that theme. That happens all the time in their yep. music, I yes. feel like. I, and I especially that. in this album. They do have a lot of those. Yeah. And 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 it 
like we were saying about Thriller, there are times where they really like invite you to participate. Mm-hmm. They, there's like all these catchy little melodies. Like there's one. In, <laughs> I was brushing my daughter's hair the other night, and of course I've been playing this around the house, so she's been listening to it, and uh, she started going. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> yeah. And then I started going, do 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 And we did that for like five minutes. They're so and, grand. And They're so cinematic. Yeah, yeah. And they really invite you in and want you to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and simple in a lot of ways. But then they also have these crazy harmonies, these notes that hold over the different chords as they move around. So things kind of swirl together yeah. and then separate and then come together again. And I would feel we were talking before about how there's no heroes in this record in terms right. of like pyrotechnic musicianship or whatever. But I would actually say that the violin mm, <laughs> yeah. is, is the, the Jimi Hendrix of this yeah, record. You sure. Know? The strings are crazy. Yeah. And they really cue you in to uh, important moments in yes. the story yeah. uh, as, you, as you take your time going through this album. They really let you know, like, hey, hook in right here. This is, this is really happening right now. So should we kind of dive in? Yeah, let's, let's talk about the suburbs. All right. So I love, I love a start to a record that kind of like eases you into it, gets you sort of psyched up, winds you up, yeah. and introduces the world. But this one, they just like... Drop they you. drop it right on you. I, I I was reminded of people who were encouraging me before I watched The Wire. Um, <laughs> yeah. Talking about how, yeah, man, they they start the show and it's like, you're like, wait a minute, I don't know any of this. And they're like, too bad, we we're just going. Yeah. Like they just start at sixty <laughs> miles an hour. Yes. And this album, <laughs> this album starts at sixty plus. It really does. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to get going. Yeah. And it's really urgent sounding. It's like it's it. They don't do it too well. They do it a lot on this record. They, there, there is a, a trademark part of the Arcade Fire song where you have like this really solid rhythm that's just wham, 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 yeah. and it comes in different ways. You know, ready to start. It's boom, 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 boom. Everyone's together, mm-hmm. like hammering away. Yeah, and it's almost punk. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like secret punk. Yeah. Yeah. And it creates such an urgency and such a tension with all the instruments kind of coming together and like driving it forward. And I'll, I'll say, I'll bring it up later when it in some other songs, but then in this record, they also mix that up with a sequencer. So it's a computer going, which creates a different kind of energy, a sort of relentless treadmill kind of energy. Whereas when the band is doing that together, boom, 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 it's it's like, ah, it's It's organic. And that's one of the things I love. Again, it's caught between like, yeah, rock instruments and electronic it's both swirled together and mixed up and and so this song is like that piano and the drums like hitting that really strong boom bam bam groove but yet it shuffles at the same time like yeah. there's a subtlety to it as well yep uh and and it's really the same thing and i think there's something really neat about a lot of their kind of verse choruses and that a lot of times you're used to the, when you go to the chorus, like the energy changes or yeah. but they don't do it that way like their their choruses create variety to keep the ear interested, but they, when they have it, they're, they're, the way that they manage energy in a song is so different, and they do it beautifully on this record, but this song is really meant to just, like, throw you into the deep end. <laughs> yeah, but I also, I mean, I think there's also something for everybody right from the yeah. get-go, right? Uh, yes. Because it, it hits you with the, the heavy drums, and then drops into the piano, and it's almost jaunty. Yeah. But it's so full. Yeah. And, you know, keep in mind, this is a concept album. It's called The Suburbs first track is titled The Suburbs. Yeah. And the first lyrics are In the Suburbs. In the suburbs, okay. Right? So it's like, okay, I got you. This is a whole story, right? Mm-hmm. And they're they're not they're not taking it easy on you. Right. They're trying to signal you right from the beginning, pay attention. I mean the song ends with <laughs> we're still screaming. <laughs> right, right. Uh yeah. So they, they have a strong point of view. Uh fun 
fact about this song when Tell I me. when I watched one of their live shows. I can't remember what it, which one it was, but it was right after David Bowie died. Oh, and uh, Win Butler. There, the, if you if they have a lead singer, the male lead singer, Win Butler. Yep. Um, said, we got a chance to meet David Bowie. This song really, we really feel like, is he is about him or, or like is inspired by him like the david bowie aspects of us that we were inspired by kind wow. of this song makes me think of him and suburbs yeah wow i know isn't that interesting i i i would have to listen to it again with him in mind yeah he I, certainly did not jump to mind i think about the hunky dory style piano yes certainly uh that that's kind of what comes to my mind immediately and then maybe some of the you know that we're still screaming yeah sort of bowie yes yeah all right i can hear the melody sure yeah but there's like this it doesn't need to be said, but this is such a monstrous headphone record. Oh, boy. Like, there's a sub bass. There's all this sort of murky stuff in the midsection. Like, it's just so filled, full. Yeah, I mean, it works just fine as a background record. You can play it any time, and it's going to be enjoyable. But, yeah, yeah. You, could, you could listen as closely as you want, yep. and you'll never be bored. And certainly that's true of this song. Yes. And this song also has one of my favorite examples on the record of that wonderful alternate melody that goes along with the chords. You know, the I had to learn it and play it during the intro. I mean, it's so delicious. Yeah. And that really, to me, sets the pace for the album. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When they when they start to leave you off with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and also note that this progression just goes around and around. It's very restless. Yeah. You know, it never really resolves that much. Uh, I think that, the, the you know, you talked before about um, how well-balanced everything is in the mix. Yeah. And it, <laughs> if you were to look at subdivision plots <laughs> for the suburbs, uh, to me, visually, there is a, there is a direct correlation between the oh. way they are making everything fit. Interesting. Right? The, right? the way they are sort of dividing... And, you know, there's curve to it. It never stays the same. It never rests. It's not the same thing over and over. But if you think of, like, say, the intro to Weeds, right? Little boxes. Yeah. And the way that town <laughs> pops up. Yes. Um, if you just sort of visually think about those suburbs, those twisting, winding roads that loop around to each other and come back again, it's all there in the music of this song and uh, of the album in general. I think. It, it, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like it also does it in another level, like a three-dimensional level. Like, you have mm-hmm. the, the drums and the guitars that are the cars and the telephone poles and the houses. And then you have that kind of wash in the background, which is the smog and the mountains and like the beyond that feels like this impenetrable <laughs> thing that you'll never get past. That's this right. constantly this brown din in the background. Yeah. Uh, like I feel like there's, there's such present. a three dimensional nature to the mixes on this. And it really starts right away with this tune. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Um, we're given a little bit of rest and then we get into ready to start. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This Here's where the lyrics really start to punish you. <laughs> <laughs> Businessman drinking my blood. Yeah. Um, like the kids in school said they would. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just... Awesome. It takes me right back. Yeah, right. Does. So you're trying to like balance it between the kids who you felt like knew a little bit more about what was going on than you did. Yes. Uh, and how much respect you had for them. Right. God, these are such evocative lyrics. And just that, yeah, that conflict, you know, between... 
identifying with them and trying to understand who you are. If you, if I were bored, I would, you know, yes. kind of testing what you're capable of. Yeah. And then that conflict between expectation and desire too, you yeah. know, like, am I supposed to let the businessman do this? I like, I feel like there's more to me than that. It, it's also him talking to like, what sounds like a potential lover. Yep. Like, yeah, I, of course I would certainly the connotation I had. Yeah. yeah ready to start. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then the groove is like, so like, <clears throat> you know, really energetic and really driving. And the, and the, the progression is very restless. It just kind of goes around and around and around. Uh, I, I know I use that a lot, but, uh, it really comes across in the song. It's like very agitated. Yeah. I mean, we talked about how they don't let you off the hook in the first track, but they actually raise the stakes significantly yeah. oh, to track yeah. two. Absolutely. Um, and, it, and it's cutting. I mean, that, that chorus of, if I was scared, I would. If I was bored, I, I mean, if he, this is this is a person who has been numbed to all of the things that are immediately within reach. Yes, knows it and still can't do anything about it. Yes, at um, the same time, aspiring and desiring and and yeah, feeling trapped. And I feel like that is so. I mean, I can't speak to. I can only speak to the male experience, but having grown up in suburbs and and having sort of. I don't live in the suburbs now, but I I'm acquainted with them significantly and, and with people who are, that is such a, a, a an interestingly universal feeling between the young guys and their dads, oh. right? So the young guys are feeling that, well, I was feeling it certainly in my high school and, and in my middle school to some extent. Yeah. Um, and I'm aware certainly that my dad was feeling it with his... Uh, relationships and and I think that's the, this sort of classic suburb thing. But I, I'm not sure I ever really made the connection between these sort of tropes of the adult in the suburb and the kid in the suburb. But they're both. It could be about either. It could, right? Yeah. It's this nearness and yet dividedness. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that in terms of the dad aspect as right. much. Because it, it, this feels like a young person. Certainly, that's my first interpretation. Yeah. But it's so universal. It is. Yeah. And this is the first example of the kind of handing off between the band playing those like really strong rhythms and then passing it off to the sequencer in the middle, like ready to start, like yeah. groove drops out. Yeah. And then it's the relentlessness. Is that that sort of mechanical sound? Instead of boom, 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 swung with a band, it's like a computer saying, it sort of sterilizes this really emotional connection that you have to the analog music. Yes. And then, like, this is your future laid out for you. Right, right, right. This is the coldness of the world. Oh, man. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it is. And I feel like that theme is really played out in the interplay of instruments. Yeah. Well, if if the if this song isn't about the kid and the dad, then obviously the next song kind of <laughs> just swings that pendulum right over to the dad. Definitely about um, the dad, and yep. continues to explore that same kind of disillusionment. Right? Um, yeah, that's great. I love and yeah, you talk about the theme of the uh, uh, the grown up in the suburb. I hadn't really thought about that that much as a specific theme, like caught between uh, yeah, being a rebellious kid and an, an obliged well, adult. It almost, it almost feels like. I don't know that they're necessarily dividing those two. I think the point is that they are saying that this is sort of what the application of the suburb structure yes. to the human condition what it does to results you. in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No matter which phase of the game you're you're at. Because there are songs later on in the album 
uh, appropriately enough, later on in the album where he's looking back oh, at yeah. the time. Yeah. And he's the dad now. Maybe the dad now. Maybe just the adults. Um, but right now he's in line for a number. Right. And I love the, uh, we were talking about this earlier, the rhythm in this song is disjointed and weird. Record yep. skipping, I'm a modern man. And I really do feel like that is the conflict between obligation and desire. And it's the no question. Con- conflict between n- doing something that you, you that feels uncomfortable yeah. and then the things that you want to do. Yeah. And so it staggers, it trips. It staggers and trips and the vocals, and I can attest to this yeah. uh, because I've been trying to figure out how to sing it. The, he's dragged along. Yeah. The, the voice of this person in this song yeah. uh, is dragged along by the rhythm. Yes. Uh, is is a prisoner to it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that just goes back to what I was talking about before. And then like every the now and again he comes out, he has his dreams, he has things, right. and then he kind of gets squished again and then gets squashed down and back into the box. Yeah. Uh, or not the bridge, the chorus. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it gets squashed back into the box. And then the bridge is really a reaffirmation of like, Bleh, you, like I'm. this is the path that I'm on, yeah. but I don't really dig it. Oh. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And it, 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 it ends with that kind of funny little sort of uh, 70s soft rock fade out. Um, almost as if like, kind of, I'm just going to drift off into, yeah. the, into the distance. Like, don't worry about me. Well, I, I, think- I, I've, I, I accept my fate yeah. as a modern man. And I think, you know, I've, I've read that, that for Vim and, and for a lot of the writers of this album, so there were a lot of collaborators, this yeah. was, you know, meant to be, meant to evoke a time. Yes. And to me, this song uh, sounds like Tom Petty and the oh, Heartbreakers. Oh, yeah. Um, I hear them really established in this song. And I, I hear them in Especially other songs. Especially the ending. Well, there's certainly a, in, the, in other songs. Yeah. But, but, and there's other artists. There's a Half-Life 1, way, oh, Wasted Hours. Wasted Hours is, feels very Tom Petty to me. But anyway. yeah. yeah. So 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 I think that's intentional. I think they, they wanted to find some, some sort of touchstones. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you, did you listen to the expanded edition or the deluxe edition at I all? really just stuck to the original yeah. just for the There's whatever. an expanded edition or deluxe or something. I can't remember what it's oh, called. Okay. It's really just two tracks, which I assume are just outtakes. Hmm. Um, and one of them features David Byrne huh. uh, at the end. And I feel like that was probably... There's two tracks. One of them, to me, felt very disconnected to the rest of the album. Mm. Of course, there are tracks that I feel like are that way and manage to wind their way back. And right. so maybe maybe if it was always in the album, I wouldn't feel this way, but it felt a little disjointed. Okay. Then there's the David Byrne track, where he pretty much just comes in at the end and does a little repeating um, thing at the end. But I feel like they probably pulled that out. That feels very much like a part of this album. But I feel like they probably pulled it out because it grounded the album almost too much oh. because of him. Interesting. Right? So I feel like there right. are all these other people, and we'll get to them, that are evoked... Yes. But if they actually had David Byrne on a track, it'd be like, oh, it's kind of a little too much. A little too much. Yeah. I mean, and I, I didn't get to say it before we started diving in track by track, but I feel like this album is a little too much. I think it's it's long. It is long. I think there's there's some things that should be B-sides. Uh, for, the, for the purposes of I making it... I bet we agree it, on the tracks, yeah. yeah I, that, well, this will be fun then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but to make it like that perfect polished gem, like I just feel like it's just a little bit unwieldy, and especially because... We have. We used to wait, and then what is wonderful? A wonderful narrative transition track, and then friggin' sprawl two. Yeah, like those are the 
I, I want those sooner. And but I want them to play the roles that they play in the album. Like there's just some fat that I would trim. Um, but uh, yeah, I I not I'm not sure I would call it fat. <laughs> it's not fat. It's not fat. They're all good. And it's not fair to but say. But it's but it's a little. Um, the kill your darlings, like save it for another record or B sides <laughs> or like you know yeah like, all right pull something out just to, for the concision. Of I don't know the nice way to say it, but I yeah. agree with you definitely one hundred percent. There's there's two or three tracks I'd say, but we haven't gone there yet. No, These certainly are all not. Awesome. Certainly not. Although the next track is not my favorite. <laughs> um, it is, and and I have, well, <laughs> so I think it's musically beautiful. Um, I. Th- I don't mind the repeating. I, I think it is lyrically gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I think it's in some ways the most clear and important thing and maybe the most lasting thing they say on this album. So Rococo is what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Um, in that... Interesting. You know, just repeat, just having the word is not su- sufficient. But why that word? Well... In- yeah, that that I don't know. <laughs> that I, that's probably my biggest problem with it. I because I've been thinking about that because I I love the this song. I identify with it deeply. Yeah. Um. I you know because I wonder which side of that I'm on at various times. <laughs> um, well, we're all on one side every once in yeah, a while. Yeah, right. We we jump around. Yeah. But I I feel like in the end it's it's trying to. Give a musical singable easily digestible name to that sort of false intellectual pretension. Yes. yes. That well, you hear from people who think that they're bigger than the town that they're in. Yep. Uh, or that try to be the big fish in the small pond. Yeah. It was probably, I just, I made a story up for myself. Like, well, they're high school kids and they, they have a like an AP art history class. Yes. And they come up with this and then they start <clears throat> drawing it in their notebooks or like it just becomes the, the hook. And they don't really understand what it means. Yeah. And they, they use it because it makes them sound... It could be any word. Well, that's true. I strongly agree with you. On the other hand, <laughs> I happen to have a story Oh. where in my college experience, I spent a semester in Europe. And we took an art history course while we were there, many of us, uh, which was super advantageous because we were able to travel and see many of the works of art that we were discussing. Mm -hmm. And one prominent example of that would be Rococo churches. Right. And, I mean, for whatever reason, during that time, at any time of day and and in any place within that castle, and no matter who you were traveling with or where you were going, Rococo became a word that we tossed around <laughs> way more than we ever should have been. So now we know which side you're on. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure that's no surprise <laughs> to anybody who knows me. But And maybe it's why I'm averse to this song. I don't know. But, but that... It's, it's too close to home. <laughs> yeah, it cuts a little close. Um, but Rococo is a word that takes place in your mouth. And oh. won't leave you alone. Good. And and to me, that's part of why that's they great. chose uh, that word because it literally could be any word. They could still make their point with yeah. just about any word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one really works for me. 
And maybe that's why I don't love the track. That's really funny. Because I found it off-putting, too. And I remember when it first came out and I was listening to it as a record, like this song came on and I was just a little bit like, well, okay, here's the weenie side of them. Right. Coming out, whatever. Uh, and it was really a, preparing for this that made me kind of sink my teeth into what it was about. And yeah. especially in the context of what I understood about them as a band at that point. I mean, it, it helps to understand something about sure. their, their history and who they are. Yeah. Um, and so... I, I like it even more, and I love the fact that it starts with no drums, and it's just this, like it sounds like a like a string quartet or yes. something sitting in the in the the elaborate ballroom, sawing away, and then he says fucking rococo, and the drums come in, yeah, and it's really angsty and big, and it's great. One other thing I'll say about this song, though it is among my least favorite on the album which is really not saying much because it's so incredible from top to bottom. But though it's among my least favorite, like a couple of the other of my least favorite songs on this album, it is often one of the earworms that will pop up to me. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, sounds very uh, much like a cut off a Beck track. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I feel like... He would put more of a backbeat behind it. Well, like sure. James yeah, Brown I mean, he would do it flavor. differently, but I, I feel like I hear him yeah. in that. Yeah. I'm, sh I'm sure that's not a specific. I just... Interesting. It's a little echo in my but head. But it's also that Arcade Fire pension of like creating other melodies. There's a great guitar melody in that song, too. I can't quite yeah. recreate it, but yeah. if you listen to the guitar towards the end... I mean, their guitar player is great. I'm, I don't know which of them is responsible for which parts, and... So it's hard to know. I mean, Will Butler plays some guitar. Will Butler plays some guitar. Uh, it's hard to know, but uh, no, it's again, all very it's one of those beautifully composed. Bands. And then again, swirling strings in there, and one, of, and then it kind of everything kind of crashes out. And there's at the end, there's this wonderful mix of like the harpsichord mm. and the squelching, screeching guitar. Yes, which I feel like again in a so, moment, yeah, puts that song across. Yeah, and it's so out of place. It's so, it's not where you would expect that song to sides. end up, right? From where it began, yeah. with the string quartet, right? Yeah, exactly. It's gorgeous. Well, yeah, when it starts with the strings and ends with the like clinky harpsichord and the, and then this is one of my favorite segues of the record into oh, God, Empty yeah. Room, which yeah. to me is a sleeper monster track. Monster track, and and one, not one that I thought about for a long time. Um, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Holy shit, we should be covering this tune because this tune." Yeah, I, I wouldn't have jams. disagreed with you. Um, it, it, and every time I listen to the album, it's like, "Oh yeah, this one." But so it, super sleeper, yeah. uh, top diamond off this album. Oh boy! And um, empty room is a Pixies awesome. song in my mind. Oh, very interesting. I'm yeah. hearing the Pixies hear big time, and and obviously with the alternating female vocals. Well, it's not alternating, and I want to talk about that, but I also no, want I to talk about... No, I just mean in general for yes. Arcade Fire. Oh, yes. there's, there's some ties, but... Which is great. I love a band that has more than one singer. Oh, uh, me too. To have some variety, especially over a long, toothy album like this. But I do love the segue, uh, the transition from Rococo into Empty Room, because the string, again, violin, doing the, the Lord's work on this record. So it's hitting that Rococo theme again. Yes, but then the rest of the band comes in. It's a completely different song than you thought it would be. Yeah, I think. Oh God, it is. It is a song I could listen to on a loop. Yeah. Um, on yeah. a record that I probably could listen to on a loop. Yes. Yeah, this song is so such an awesome energy. It does one of my favorite things in rock and roll, which is the uh, wonderful tension of just like a thrashing band, and then the vocals that are just floating over the top. Yep. But and floating I, with urgency, you know, like it's not it's not disjointed, it's right but there. But that even that alternates because when they get to the chorus, that descending chorus 
she just leads and and is so powerful. Yeah. Um, I don't think when I mean whatever they made their decisions for whatever they made their decisions, but I don't know if he could have led something that powerful. It's no. really tremendous. Yeah, his voice is great. Gorgeous. His, yeah, we haven't really talked about his singing. He's done a, the bulk of the singing to date. Yep. Uh, in this record. Um, and I don't, you know, he's, it's, it's hard to know. He's, he's, he does have traditional chops, but he's also not a traditional singer. Uh, things that you don't think should work, do work. Some things that should work don't. Yeah. Uh, but I, in the end, I think he's a great singer. And I, I think Regine is so, and is, uh, I would say the same. Um, but in the end, they come across with so much personality and character that whatever, Wildly disparate become characters. part of it, yeah. Yeah, and I love the way that they sing together in this song, particularly because they extend something that they do in their other arrangements, where they have two instruments doubling each other mm-hmm. or coming close to each other, and it's a guitar and a keyboard, but together it creates something else. Yeah, they're not one of them is singing "Empty Room." Right, the two of them become something else. Right, and I, he reminds me a little bit of Stipe in that he. Uh, is there for the notes, but you get a lot of emotion. You get I, I, Michael Stipe really taught me to sing in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, can I mean, do I, that. I I learned how to make notes from other people that I was in a room with, but I learned how to sing really from him, from their from their Unplugged album yeah, it's in Phil particular. For me. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and Wim reminds me uh, of Stipe's vocals a lot. You know, there's there's tenderness and emotion and character that comes through. Yep, totally agreed. Um, and and I do feel that that's countered really beautifully uh, by those sort of ethereal, um, but still emotional and connected and grounded uh, vocals on top of that. Yeah. And this song, Empty Room, is, I feel like, one of the more emotionally intense and um, like sort of kinetic of the record, and that it's an emergency. They're feeling it right then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes it There's takes... a tremendous sense of loss, a tremendous sense of grieving. So what I was struck by in this song and a couple of others is that the musically it is taking these emotions which are totally identifiable yeah. and and accessible to me and and placing them in impossible heights oh, that only yeah. music can do. Yeah. Um and and I feel like as I mentioned before that sadness of not having the people who were there to share those moments to you this album is a solution for that. It is. And this track in particular, and a couple of others, Brawl 2, for instance, <laughs> yeah. are um, are sort of the elixir for that sort of misery or, or lack of, of connection. Like, and here we are connecting on it. Yeah. Yeah, and no question. And they've done their job yeah. uh, for us. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And many others, thousands and thousands of others. Uh, it, this album really resonated with people. And it, it continues on its journey from being angry to being resigned to being wistful to being nostalgic to being uh, restless. And then it moves on <laughs> to I just the title of itself, City with No Children. It's back into the darkness. Yes. In a way that is almost like as terrifying a thought to me as the phrase Silent Spring, you know, about... Uh, yeah, global warming and everything. Yeah. City with No Children just as a concept all is chilling... No question, um, and and you can see, and it, and it makes me think that like we have created a an awful mess for ourselves, uh, and the the suburban world is not meant for kids, right? It's meant for adults in their cars, right? Shuttling people around, yeah. Um, and so I, I do, 
it's meant more in this song as a metaphor for something else, I think, of the barren relationship, it, it would seem. But at the same time, uh, it hits that universal theme of like, what have we created? And what is this place that I'm in? And Do you happen to have seen a film called Over the Edge? No. It's Matt Dillon's debut film. Hmm. Uh, and it is quite literally about exactly what you just said. Oh, wow. Uh, that could be the synopsis huh. of that film. And it is tremendously good, uh, although the ending, I don't I, It's been a long time since I saw it. It's, a, it's not a, a, a flawless film. What's it but called? It's I'm called sorry. Over the Edge. Over the Edge. Yeah. I've heard of it. Pick it, it up okay. and, and watch it after you listen to this album because it's right in the same neighborhood. Uh, without question. A garden left for ruin by a millionaire inside of a private prison. Like, yeah. And it, I feel like it's a beautiful depiction of something that we've seen, that we're seeing happen, that 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 nature and uh, the, the natural world and the world the human beings are supposed to live in is now becoming the province of the rich yeah. who can afford to go... Um, and the most of the rest of us are left sort of dumped in these <laughs> suburban, unnatural just cities with no children that we'd never asked to be in. And another thing that's so beautiful about that is, well, I don't know, is it the bass that's that boom, 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 Yeah. Yes. So, so that, to me, is like, because what you've just described is this sort of unspoken truth about yeah. the suburbs that's been so damaging. It's like the, the sort of stepchild of the 50s sort of... Um, Progress at all costs. Yeah. And, and, and like, you know, don't have a fight in front of anybody. Like yeah. If we well, fight, that, yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it's sort of this direct descendant of that 50s uh, household uh, importance. And this baseline just marches down the middle of the street saying, like, Enough of not saying this. I'm saying this. Oh, interesting. You know, like it's a parade down it the is. middle of the road. You're absolutely to right. To say like, pay attention to this thing that is damaging all of us. Exactly the mess that you just talked about yeah. that has sort of secreted around us as we've established these suburbs. Yes. This song attempts, I think, to just say, just like, take a look at me. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done? What have yeah. you done? Yeah. Yeah. What have you done? Do There's not a lot ignore of this. Apocalyptic energy. And it. Uh, imagery yeah. and can we get another shout out for like how many war references there are in this record oh my god yeah which is strange because it doesn't sort of match what I've read about his age or whatever I mean I don't know maybe I'm I'm misremembering something but but yeah it's all over the place I think it's well the war that defined the suburbs and then the war on the suburbs yeah between the different tribes the, or whatever the again, music the, defines our tribes right and, which is again just them inverting these ideas that yeah. that that you know, the world war created the suburbs or the need for the suburbs. Right. And, and then there became this war on the suburbs. Within, and right. then it's also fear of future war, too. Yeah. Like the, when the world war will do whatever it will do. There's a lot of World War III yeah. uh, fear being expressed. Yeah. Uh, which maybe part of, certainly is part of the same post-World War II uh, mental landscape with, with the fear of Soviet nuclear annihilation right. on everyone's minds all the time. Right, unquestionably a factor in all yeah. this. Yeah, Cold War. So then we move into uh, these, the first of these beautiful sort of two-parter songs that kind of complete both sides of this album, right? There are eight tracks 
the, the tracks seven and eight and tracks uh, fifteen and sixteen. Oh. Sorry, four, two, 14 and fifteen. Sixteen is really a kind of a just a. <laughs> frankly, I think it would be rude of them to leave us with Sprawl Two. Oh, they have I think to we'd all be emotional that. messes if they ended the album with that song. So they they kind of let us down easy. But in many ways, Half Light One and Two and Sprawl One and Two complete the two sides of this sort of record, right? Um, okay. and, and they are very mirrored in a lot of different ways. They're not just both one, two, um, but they both have this sort of ethereal, kind of unchained, kind of wandering um, initial part uh, of, of um, Half Light One and, and Sprawl One, and then this really driven, really emotional, really angst-filled um, second part for Half Light 2 and, and Sprawl 2. They're these beautiful pairs of sequels that are just, I, I don't know how you call it anything other than cin- cinematic. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you mentioned that, that uh, you also have, it's, they're sort of mirror images of each other because mm-hmm. Half Light 1 is a distant, wistful memory of, of youth Yep. Half Light Two is a jaded, yes, looking back, sorrowful, mournful, looking back at what's been lost. Uh, Sprawl One is a dirge, yes, <laughs> yeah, but about looking back at. Really, it should be hopeful, but oddly, the music is is a sounds like a funeral procession. Yeah, yeah, very. And then you have Sprawl Two, which has this exultant, yes, huge bigness to it. It is a triumph, and it's about the youthful side. Yes. But it's also not a happy song. Like, but it's also it's about <laughs> realizing that you are not defined by this place. I mean, and again, we'll get there. But that's really interesting that you have Half Light One and Half Light Two, and then you have Sprawl One and Sprawl Two, yeah. and they do serve this purpose. It's narrative, it's structural, uh, and deeply thematic, yeah. and they relate to each other in really yeah. interesting ways. Yeah, they both land the plane of the side of the album that they're responsible for. Yeah. Right. We've covered a lot of ground, and they kind of set it up and knock it down, almost like volleyball. Right? Yeah. A little set and spike on both counts. And I feel like Half-Light 1 is really our first break. Uh, it's I agree. the first feeling of anything <clears throat> good having happened in this It's place. the first breath we get <laughs> yeah, really in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's a beautiful, youthful memory, and it, I feel like it's another one of the full picture of this record and the memories that it brings up that uh, we here we are sitting in my backyard backyard right now in the half light yeah and i still get a sense of what it felt like to have my first sense of independence walking around at night walking home from a friend's house yeah or going to a playground somewhere yeah yeah you didn't i mentioned before you didn't have to be taken care of but you weren't totally responsible yet that's that great. real sweet spot. Yep, exactly. Um, and you, and you had no idea sure. you were in it, and it felt almost like you weren't capable of anything. But in a lot of ways, and I think that's sort of what this album explores, you were freer potentially then than ever in your life. And you, you that young? you ever could be. Yes. Again, because of the scope of distance and time yeah. and experience. Yeah. And, and certainly, I, I suppose it's worth mentioning, you know, we grew up, I think it's fair to say in in sort of uh, a place of fair privilege. Oh, you know, and this is a this give, is a yes. real um, snapshot of what that is like, and I'm right. very lucky to have done that. Lighted streets on quiet <coughs> nights. Yes, we had them. Yeah. Yep. Um And well, you know, there's no reason to feel guilty about it, or or to, but but there are people who do not have 
access to this portrait. Um, That's right. Uh, quite a lot of them. Yeah. And um, I don't know where that exists in your enjoyment of this album, but um, it's an accurate picture. Speaking as one of the lucky people who had that, same you know, here. It's, it's accurate. It is. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's a, the thing I try to carry with me all the time. Uh, so, in a, in a way, it's comforting to know that this has a universal feeling about it, that other people have had a similar experience, good and bad. Yeah. And it, 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 can, it applies to lots of different folks in different ways, I think. Um, uh, Half Light 2 ends with the refrain, one day they will see it's long gone. Yeah. And I think that obviously ties back to what we've been talking about. Another theme of this record, decay. Oh, yeah. Uh, things Which I think we get away. much more into in the second side. Yeah, yeah. Things deteriorating. And again, another war reference in, in uh, another World War II or World, next World War fear statement. Um, yeah, and very Half-Life 2 is interesting. Like, Lee, very much like a ballad. It's like a series of verses, one after another. Yep. Uh, it has this sort of folk music quality to it. There, it has one break from that in the middle, but otherwise it's just stanzas. And I feel like that creates, I don't know, another universal quality to it. It adds to that universal feeling yep. of like being a folk song almost. But there is companionship in both these songs, yes. uh, which is a little out of the ordinary for, well, although, you know, I guess one of the big questions in every song of this album is, is the companionship that he's or she is singing about is it sung out to the sky because that person is not there? Or are we sharing it? Are we with that person, right? Um, and I think most often that person is just out somewhere and we wish we could connect to them. But we know that they're... That's one of the things that's so unfair about it. We yeah. know those people yeah. are carrying around those memories too. Or they're by our side and they're having their own experience and we're having our own experience. Yeah. And it speaks to that constant challenge of trying to be connected and stay connected and yeah. to your environment, to the people around you, to people over time. Yeah, it's very, very poignant. Uh, and of course, one of the most terrifying lines for me on this record, play to God, pray to God I won't live to see the death of everything that's wild. Oh, man. Yeah. That just hits me like so in As the those gut. suburbs expand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like smothering <laughs> everything yeah. that defines where we came from right and then this is another place where you have that that i was talking about the urgency of people playing repeated rhythms and eighth notes and then the sequencer like the sequencer yes. the computer is going i would say this this track towards the end of this track is probably the most prominent point for that what that really sort of mechanical yep um piece and it and what better place than to end the the first side, you know, this first sort of leg of our trip yeah. through the suburbs. Yeah. Um, then to say that, you know, that I fear the death of everything that's wild, and then the sequencers take over, and it's it's the most prominent thing. It's the lead singer at that point. And then you start side two with the birds. <laughs> you know, like right. it's like this chimey guitar, very yes. folky, very uh, intimate, completely the opposite of the relentless synthesizer ending. Yes, very uh, organic. Yeah. <clears throat> and and then, it's and it's casual. Let's go for a drive and see the town tonight. Yes. Yeah. And uh, wonderful echoes of previous lyrics, shadows of your song. Yep. Uh, grab your mother's keys. Yep. 
uh, calling in themes that we've heard already and we're clearly their... older at this point. Yeah, right. Yeah. The, the 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 character that's going through this journey has uh, now a relationship, a car. Um, they are not imprisoned. They are not children on the bus. Yeah. Right. Um, they are uh, capable of of looking around, and they're starting to play with that sort of um, nostalgia. Yes. Yeah. All my old friends wait. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All the echoes. Everything folds in and around itself. Yeah. Yeah. I I I like that interpretation that you have. Uh, and I feel like it it's goes in different places in the song. This is a song that I feel like really demonstrates their ability to just build crazily. Again, yeah. you drop the needle at the beginning and you drop it later in the track and it's the same song but in such a different place. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, I always think about U2 and all the damn songs they have about love. <laughs> and every record they release, you know, like five of the songs are just about love. Right. It's like three to five of the songs on any U2 record are just straight about love. And I'm like, how? You know, we can talk about the quality of those songs, but how do you keep exploring this one little bit of terrain? What else is there for U2 to say about love? But they keep finding it, and they keep yep. putting it into perfectly. I mean, you could say what you want about U2. I'm a big fan. Big fan. Um, they are, by all uh, counts, <laughs> perfectly adequate songs, at the very least. Yep. If not, totally enjoyable. Um, and, you know, new. And at the same time, they, they sound like themselves, right? They always sound like U2. They always sound like U2 songs. Yes. Um, yeah, they do that with this ground. They they sort of tread back and forth over this neighborhood in the suburbs time and again, and it is never boring. Right. Uh, it's really impressive. It is. I I feel like it. It's starting to get in the territory where it's getting a little little, little long on the tooth for me. Well, the next the next track <laughs> is one of my is one of my. I, okay. I'm fine to let it go. But, uh, no, not, not to say I'm fine to let it go. There's a lot to love about this. Yeah. And typically, I, would, I, I think the tracks that I don't, am not totally enamored of on this album, by the end of the track, I'm fine. I'm not annoyed anymore. Month of May is a great B-side. Yes. Uh, uh, it's another Fear of War song. Mm -hmm. And how war is going to get in the way of me becoming a rock star. Right. So I see how it fits into the greater themes and all of that stuff, trying to express yourself, trying to be your own person mm -hmm. in an oppressive environment. But this is, I feel like you could get rid of this one and the next two in a row, save them for some extras of the bonus record, and you have a much... Month of May, Wasted Hours, and Deep Blue? Yes. I mean, I Chop I don't, those three, and I then, don't know that I would necessarily argue. Uh, I do think... Suburban War right into... We used to wait. Oh. Holy shit. God damn. You know? God damn. That yeah. is such a song. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we but, have to get through the three I'd cut first. Well, um. listen, the one thing I'll say about Month of May, I, I mentioned before one of the most important things and one of the most lasting things I think this record has to say is that just knowing the word Rococo and what it means does not make you, uh, you know, fluent in art history. Okay. Which me and my friends should take to heed as much as anybody. Um, but I think maybe the second most important thing and the second most lasting thing, uh, most powerful lyrics are uh, how are you going to lift it with your arms folded So tight, good. Right? That is just yeah. 
you could just play me that one little bit of that song, and I've got the weight of it, and I've got the power of it. Yeah. Um, and I like the way they use it musical, yeah. musically. Arms folded tight. They yeah. use it as a place to kind of stop and then come back in with the groove again. It's a great jam. It's yeah. an awesome jam. And I saw plenty of great live performances of it. It's a great jam. I feel tune. like there was a, a band that this track particularly reminded me of, but it's not coming to mind right now. I feel like when I listen to it. I mean, and it's kind of a blues. Like, it's very old school in its ambitions, except until the end where it gets that weird sort of theremin sound in there or something. Woo! Yeah. It starts to get a little weirder. It's not my favorite. But there's, again, with Arcade Fire, it doesn't matter what they're doing. There is power and there is value to what they're doing. So I would not want this track banished. I'd be fine with it as a B-side. Yeah, I just don't Um, think it belongs on the record. Yeah. And I think well, you'd have a much I more concise, tighter fine. record. I mean, I think it's. I think what it explores sure. and and how it works musically is all in line with the rest of the album. It's the director's cut, the Redux version. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. should have. It maybe should have been cut for time. That's yeah, about it. Exactly. Yeah. And wasted I, hours. Think. Next yeah. tune, I would yeah, well, say the same. But again, wasted, wasted hours. hours. It's a beautiful it theme. It is the it's core perfect. of what I talked about. Yeah. Is the core of. It, it's it identifies as purely as anything on the album, that idea that you are post being taken care of pre-responsibility yep. and how gorgeous. Yes. I mean, can you imagine, we both have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, can you imagine wasting an hour? My daughter complains she's bored and I'm like, yeah. you're lucky. You're, yep. you're going to start an adventure right now. Yeah. And our parents said that to us and yeah. their parents said that to them <laughs> and it's this impossible, yeah. fleeting moment Just savor that it, is kid. not it's just not possible yeah. to, and I, I honestly feel that uh, as much as anybody ever has, I had a sense for how valuable that was, but it was not complete. It couldn't have been. Right. Um, it will never be for anybody. And never again. Yeah. Right. In that way, right. once you'll you're never an achieve ad- it again. Once you're an adult, because then you realize the things you could be doing with your free time that you're not doing because you're binging whatever show. Well, and to be honest, wasted hours is not entirely divorced from the whole concept of this show, right? Right. We have chosen to do this show to take the time to actually listen to an album, which is something I used to do with my friends all the time. All the time. We would just, we'd be like, hey, there's a new record. Have you heard this? Have you heard this? Let's put it on the tape player and drive around for an hour listening (laughs) to it. And we would not talk. Right. Or lie in the bedroom. talk about it afterwards. And so in many ways, Wasted Hours, sure, I'll cut it and have it as a B-side, cut it for time, whatever you want. But it is, in many ways, the theme song to this show. And it's got a wonderful sort of sleepy groove to it. Absolutely. It sort of shuffles along. Yep. Uh, the, it, everything drops out during the chorus. Wasted Hours. It's, they're half asleep. It is it's great. by a far stretch the most languid track. Yeah. And it is poetically appropriate. It is. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Absolutely it fits. Yeah. Absolutely it So fits. I don't mind it on the album, but I know you don't either. I'm just saying... No. It, it, obviously, if we were going to try to find something, it is... I mean, whatever. It's not the most compelling, emotional, driven track. So it's going to suffer for that. And but, as a concise... And as part of an overall record. Yeah. An album... I think it, yeah, subtracts from a feeling of uh, concision that it, like, by now my ears are starting to get a little tired. Yes. Uh, and I need something else in order to kind of bring me through the rest of the record. That It's too sleepy, too late, or something like that. Like, I don't know. It, 
I, I understand the role it plays and why it's there and everything, and I even appreciate it as in the track order where it is. And so, it's got a seg- great segue into and great segue out of. It's just it's a little much. So here's what this little stretch of time, which includes Deep Blue, yeah. reminds me of. Um, well, maybe this is in poor taste, but... Oh. Um, have you ever heard the, the description of what happens when a tsunami uh, hits a shore? I'm not sure I'm thinking of what you're thinking of. Okay. So what happens primarily is the water rushes out. It recedes okay. to a degree that is super weird. Right. Like, everybody's had the experience of being at the beach and the tide going out or the tide coming in, and you're like, oh, my God, I was sitting over there, and now it's water. and Or, oh, my gosh, I was way up there, and now I'm, I had to walk uh, two miles to get back to the water, right, like out on the Cape. But um, what happens with a tsunami is the water recedes to a degree that is strange. Oh. Um that the people that might be familiar with the tidal habits of that area would be like, uh, what the fuck? Mm. And then the water rushes back in, right? So it, so there's this gathering. And that's what side two um, oh. feels like to me, right? This real pulling back, lulling, and it's true of Month of May. Well, Month of May is an active song, but Wasted Hours in Deep Blue mm-hmm. pull back and set you up much in the same way that Half-Light 1 and 2 and then Sprawl 1 and 2 do um, for the power, and I don't mean to skip D-Blue, but the, the raw power of We Used to Wait. <sighs> and it's pretty intense. It's very intense. It's um, true. You, and I, I totally appreciate that you need something in there. To help get you to that. Because you can't have one relentless monster track after another and have them have the right power that they're yeah. supposed to have. Yeah. And I think that the, the, the fatigue that your ear feels, that my ear as well feels at that point, at, at the end of Wasted Hours and the beginning of Deep Blue, is what naming the album The Suburbs, mm. calling the first track The Suburbs, and having the first lyric be The Suburbs was speaking to. It's saying, listen, this is a whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> you need you need you're gonna Just need to spend some buckle time up. with this. Yeah, buckle up. But um, I, and I love Deep Blue again. Yeah. It's another shuffle, so it brings you back to the original Suburbs tune at the beginning of the record a little bit. Right, uh, and it's got those great like clanging, bonging things that are happening through it. La 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 la. Which saves the song for me. That la that yeah. that and 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 kind of calls back in my mind to um, some of their earlier stuff. Yes. Yeah. In, in a big way, as right. much as any track. Stuff off Funeral. Yeah, exactly, yeah. off Funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the big signal off Funeral? It, it, Rebellion Lies? Every time um, you close your eyes, eyes, lies. There's also maybe uh, even the first Wake Up. Track. No, that's the, yeah. No, I, I don't remember exactly which one, but, but it, it harkens back to that for me. Okay, well, they had um, songs called Neighborhood, you know. Right, <laughs> right. This is well trodden territory for them by the time they put out a whole record about it. <laughs> But then we gotta get to we used to wait because we can't wait for it anymore. I, it is. Um, there's an album uh, for me, one of my favorite albums, "Screaming Trees, Sweet Oblivion." Oh. Uh, and it, it was an album that sort of helped my journey through the suburbs um, when I just didn't know what to do with the angst and the confusion and the and the lack of 
understanding of like everything seems so fine here, but I know that it's not, and yeah. I, I know that it's not at home, and I know that it's not in other people's homes, and I know that it's not in the world. My God, it's not. But everything seems so nice. That album really helped me, um, I don't know, process that thought, I guess. Wow. And this song feels like that album just in concentrate, Tropicana version of that album, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it is... It's one of those tracks that, like I mentioned before, it takes my accessible, identifiable, and solo emotion and places it in flight, in absolute flight. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I I totally get that. I totally get that. And this song is really set up to blast you off into the stratosphere. Yeah. Yeah, the structure of it, the... The feelings in it, the different parts and how they build one to the next to the next to the next. Woof. It's just a monster, monster, monster track. And we have to talk about uh, the video. Oh, the wilderness downtown. It is. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe everybody knows about this uh, video. Uh, I'm hoping somebody out there has not come across it. Um, I'm looking for the URL to make sure I know exactly what it is. That'd so be it's great. thewildernessdowntown.com. And what they do, well, I don't know. Should we talk specifically about what they do? I, I think that uh, just I would say what, whatever you know about this song yeah. and whatever you feel about this song will be amplified in a uniquely powerful way by watching this video, mm-hmm. which you need to have a decent browser to do. I wouldn't say do it on your phone if you've got a laptop oh, or whatever. No. Put it on there because you want a sort of a bigger screen experience. Just follow the directions and go for it. It's a delightful surprise if you if you hadn't seen it, and it will, yeah. depending on whether or not you <laughs> are in the probably sizable demographic of people who identify with the experiences on this record, right. will uh, be hit in the solar plexus. <laughs> and I think this is a uh, thing to share with your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily have them a do thing it to too. do with your friends. Yeah, have them do it too. Have them do it too and talk about what it was like. It's a wonderful other. interactive video yeah. that takes over your browser that is such a wonderful creative use of available technology and that's about as spoilerific as I want to get with it. But it, it goes along with the song in such an awesome way, in, in a way that can only be done on like a modern web browser. Yeah. It, it's not like a music video. It, it really requires the technology of your browser to, and the internet to, to have its full effect, and it's not like any video I've ever seen. I might feel dumb about saying this later, but it's quite unlike any other digital experience I've had. It's And, and same. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in ways that I wish we could talk about because it's, it's really quite powerful. And I'll point out as well that it's, you know, eight years old at this point. Yeah, and I still love it, even yeah. though I've done it the same way the same time yeah. a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. But this song really hits you deep. Uh, it, it makes you think what the, we used to wait, what that was all about. It was obviously getting out, um, obviously for, based on expectation of something to happen. Yep. Um, it's, it's relatively open-ended, so I feel like you can apply a lot of different things to it. But, uh, but I think everyone has an experience of frus- frustration and the desperate passage of time. Yeah. And, and yet, again, the other side of it is how gorgeous that is. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people ask um, with humor, uh, what was it like? How did we even get by before cell phones? <laughs> how did we even 
find each other. We used to wait for it. Yeah, we used to wait. (laughs) This song is is a very blunt answer. Yeah. Um, And it's a detailed answer if you you get into the lyrics. You don't need to because the emotion of it is there. But uh, just just on a musical level, if you don't really pay attention to the lyrics, it, you're still going to get your answer. Yes. But if you decide to pay attention to the lyrics, you're going to get a very detailed very answer. Very de- detailed and direct yeah. answer. Yeah. It's and, and the emotions that went along with right. it and what that felt like. And right. Well, I, I think I might quibble with that and say not necessarily the emotions that went along with it, but the emotions that I have now remembering it. thinking about that. It's not the emotions uh, I had at yes. the time. It is inherently nostalgic. It, yeah. It is a little bit old fart like, wow, we used to wait. We didn't just get it immediately. Yeah. Like we waited at the celib- mailbox every it's, day. Yeah. And how that celebratory version made of your whole summer sometimes when you got that one letter back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's almost it's like, Woo, we used to wait. Yeah. And it's it's like a celebration of that. Yes. Um Yeah. It's not entirely positive, but it is that's what we had. Yeah, a little everything. It's kind of their version of we used to walk uphill both ways. Because it is like <laughs> it is making me like feel that. better about having not had a cell phone in order to find my friends. Yeah, and, right. And to in order yeah. to and that that meant something. Right. That that waiting, that that time You'd have to drive. You'd have to drive over there. Yeah. And then oh, that's not where they are. Yeah. Okay. Where else are they going to be? Or, gonna remember be? that feeling? I, cycling there was the feeling around. that we had about yeah. like, yeah, cycling around or driving around and like seeing somebody else's car going the other way. And like, oh like, shit, where oh, are they? Oh man, they must be going there. Yeah. Like finding a way to turn around. I mean, it just catch up. Such with a special time. Yeah, yeah. And they seem to know it. And your young whippersnappers won't have it because <laughs> you got your Insta chats and your WeGrams. Um, and then we get into the sprawls. So we yeah we did talk about these a little bit. Yeah. I feel like sprawl one is more functional in in almost like a musical theater sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a pro- prologue. It's supposed to be in a down energy moment, and and it's just a depiction of one memory. I see the kids, the two kids in their bikes on a spotlight on yeah. s- on a stage. Yep. Well. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, it's obviously there by... It is this stage setting. It's, it's again, a microcosm of the album. Yeah. Where there's this drawback and then this wave that comes in with Sprawl 2, <laughs> which is... I wish I could tell you how much it means to me to hear that song. Every t- I feel like every time I enter into it... Yeah. Um, there are environments where I don't particularly want to because I feel like it just demands so much of my attention and emotion and imagination and all of the things that are, um, you yeah, know, yeah. at a premium these days. You can't give it its due. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Otherwise. Yeah, it's it's a special tune. And the way that it segues in from Sprawl 1, because Sprawl 1 is very different uh, song in every respect. And it's weird that the two segue from one to the next. And it's it's weird the way it, it sort of you tumble back in time yeah. from one to the next one. Yeah. And the Sprawl 2, the Sprawl 1 feeling is very complex, and the Sprawl 2 feeling is very simple. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, come and meet your kind. Yeah. Come and meet your kind. I, just, I, I honestly, I don't know really what more I can say about it. There is, you know, you talk about the flatland and then the mountains beyond mountains, which to me speaks to something that is, you know, bigger by 
itself than Kilimanjaro. It's that murk in the background. It's yeah. that whatever fuzzy, woozy thing that we've been listening to this entire record, that thing that's the great beyond, that's yeah. that's calling you out from where you are in yeah. this compressed, tiny little oppressive place yeah. to whatever possibility awaits. And again, it is musically sufficient if you care not even to pay attention to the lyrics. Right. But if you do want to listen to those sweet yeah. and subtle and accessible lyrics that are just so tender, these moments that they're talking about. Um, yep. I, I, I really, if I ever get the chance, I, I had the presence of mind once uh, when I met, um, oh, Jesus, what's his name from Fish? Um, Trey Anastasio. Oh. Uh, I had the presence of mind not to ask him to sign anything, but to, uh, but to just shake his hand and say thank you yeah. for the music. If I have the opportunity at any point in my life to meet anybody from this band, I really hope I have the presence of mind to do what I should do, which is quite literally to say thank you so much yes. for the song Sprawl 2. Yeah. Um, because it is, in my mind, about as good as songs get. It's true. And of course, in the context of the record, you can't help but place it after everything you've already heard yeah. and what a mixed bag it all is. Yes. And so I feel like that almost makes it even more sweet and innocent and bittersweet in every possible way because you know that it's not going to necessarily work out it may not work out the way that it feels it could in this tune can i just give you the first couple of lyrics yeah i mean they are so tremendous yeah to me to anybody that i have sort of collaborated with in any artistic way throughout my life which is a whole heck of a lot of people yep um they heard me singing and they told me to stop quit these pretentious things and just punch the clock. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. What else have we been struggling against or with or um, for our entire lives? Yes. You and I and the people that we have worked with. Mm -hmm. That is the answer. And most people in, in some way, they feel like they, they're not sure. able to be their full selves. Absolutely. Yeah. That's no question. It doesn't take it doesn't take artistic efforts yes. to feel that way. Right. It's the personal struggle. Yeah. No question. To define yourself and be confident in yourself and to let yourself get out there yeah. when you know that for the most part people are not going to be receptive to it. Yeah. They're gonna just want to squash you and they want you to fulfill the role that they have for you and the expectation that they have for you. Expectation and desire. Yeah. Who am I? I this is what I want to do. Continuing with those lyrics, these days my life I feel it has no purpose. But late at night, the feelings swim to the surface. In the half-light. Yeah. Late at night in the half-light. And there's been so many references to not being able to sleep in this yes. album. You used to sleep, and now that at late at night. Right. And then continuing, because on, on the surface, the city lights shine. They're calling at me. Come and find your kind. Oh, And so big and open and grooving in those great synths, just like... it. Yeah, it's like an early 80s kaleidoscope yeah. uh, merry-go-round. <laughs> There's an obvious comparison to the Blondie tune, um, and you sent me a link to a, like a, a mashup, mashup yeah. that somebody Just did, fun. which totally makes sense to me, and I'm uh, there are some mashups that I love so, so much, but obviously I've talked about how much I, uh, how precious this song is to me. Yeah. So I couldn't even bring myself to no, watch that. No, nor should you if you don't I couldn't, want to. I couldn't replace the visuals that this song gives me. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. They're all mine. And again, they do a beautiful job of dropping it out a little bit and then coming back in such a triumphant way and then right into that last verse. Oh, it's such a great build. And at the end, it kind of just sort of rests and that boom. And fades away. And fades away. And then we get this little bit of cleanup at the end, which is (laughs) just, it would be irresponsible not to... Uh, take care of us yeah. after what they've done yes. <laughs> to us yeah. emotionally right. in the course of this album. And it's just a return to the beginning. It's a circular thing. It's the cul-de-sac mm-hmm. uh, of the suburbs, <laughs> nice. just finishing right up, yeah. uh, right where we started. But a sort of smudgy, hazy, quiet version of it. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like I love that because I feel like it invites you, as the suburbs do, uh, to start right back over if you want right. or make a decision not to. Yeah. Um, or at least and that's get, entirely up to you. In some way, get you back to where you started, yeah. so you can appreciate the the full circle nature of it, the yeah. the whole journey in in its completion. Yeah. I forgot to ask. I would just waste it again and again and again. One last sting of nostalgia. That's right. I couldn't really. What is moving past the feeling? What feeling? I'm moving past. The well, I think again. that's the. I think that's the invitation. Yeah. I think it's a very subtle suggestion. That maybe you don't want to start over. Maybe you don't want to stay. Right. I'm um, moving past the feeling again. I can't believe and, it. And maybe it speaks a little bit to what I was talking about with that sort of, um, you know, um, sadness for being alone in those memories. Yeah. I, I'm somebody who moved around a fair amount. So right. the more classical suburbs that I lived in, I, I don't really even remember people's names. Oh, it's um, tough. And again, you, you have only, you don't share those memories with anybody. Right. Those right. are yours and yours alone. I, I have to kind of carry those, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so... Universally human experience. So that's difficult. And, you know, I think he's sort of inviting me at the end of that to sort of move past that and and register it as a... a a triumphant thing that, that can live in some of these songs on this album. Yeah. Um, and if they not do. in my shared memories with friends. And, right. And certainly can live in the sort of approximately shared memories that you and I and other friends of mine and I have uh, and other friends of you and yours. And it's good to remember them and it's good to reach out to them or at least follow their family pictures on, on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram. Instagram. Want, the, uh, this album seems opposed to Facebook. It really does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it feels it seems opposed to all sort of modern technology and its ersatz connection. I feel like they have, well, that's what everything now is, their most recent record. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really exactly. a condemnation of well, that. Well, they really... Everything now. Yeah. And then they go on to do Reflector, which is a well, dance no, Reflector record. Reflector was before. Reflector was after Suburbs. Yeah. And, and then Everything Now is after that, which that's is right. like an ABBA record. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways, or they have a lot of ABBA sounds. And I, I mean, I still love it. I think that it sounds great. And I think Reflector's great. I love that track. I love the Everything Now track. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to it as long as you want. Uh, with that pipe, uh, yeah. the pan flute, rather. It's gorgeous. <laughs> and again, it's their explora- exploration of this sort of synthetic and the natural, right? All kind of pan piled on so, like, organic. Um, but I don't love the rest. The rest of that Arcade Fire album didn't work as mm-hmm. well as just about everything else that they've done just has. sounds so beautiful. Like, well, certainly just, their there's that. production's so good. And they do a lot of it themselves. They have their own studio in Montreal, yep. uh, where they all live. They met at McGill University and really have stayed together ever since. They're a huge family. They really look out for each other. Their Genesis, uh, their their story sounds like Genesis. Yeah, they're, they're, in a lot of ways. Their whole steez, actually, is, yeah. is very like, very much like Genesis that. of today, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, 
And this album is is a is a journey, is a concept album in the way that Genesis did concept albums, and surely they were inspired by that. Yep. Genesis did a lot of rock instruments with synths together. Yep. Uh, you can certainly hear that as a progenitor of, yeah. of this record. And wow, what a it's impossible to tie it up in a bow because it is a big sprawling mess. Yeah. <laughs> we hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Please go listen to it again. Um for us, I think it's probably time for to uh to head off into the half light <laughs> before before we do Hopefully. we got to call out what we're going to do next time that's right what's next on the schedule so next on the schedule if if we're still willing to take the risk yeah it's willie nelson oh boy yeah redheaded stranger all right to go to in a completely different direction yeah well, that's the idea yeah and yeah, we don't want to rest too easily exactly and it's not it's it's a it's an album like it's an album that should be Taken care of like a big at 33 LP, you keep the cardboard nice and you take it out and you <laughs> cradle it in your hand and you put it in the turntable. And you, and you set drop that needle, needle down. And you sit back yeah, you sit and you're back. like, take me away, Willie. And that's what we'll do next time Yes, on Record Time. On Record Time. And here comes our version of Modern, Modern Man. Man. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. Thanks. So I wait my turn, I'm a modern man. And the people behind me, they can't understand Makes me feel like Makes me feel like So I wait in line, I'm a modern man And the people behind me, they can't understand Makes me feel like Something don't feel right Like a record that's skipping, I'm a modern man and the clock keeps ticking, I'm a modern man Makes me feel like Makes me feel like In my dream I was almost there Then they pulled me aside and said you're going nowhere They say we are the chosen few But we wasted That's why we're still waiting On our number from the modern man Maybe when you're older you will understand Why you don't feel right Can't sleep at night now In line for a number but you don't understand Like a modern man In line for a number but you don't understand Like a modern man Oh I had a dream I was dreaming And I feel I'm losing the feeling Makes me feel like Like something don't feel right I erase the number of the modern man Wanna break the mirror of the modern man Makes me feel like Makes me feel like In my dream I was almost there Then they pulled me aside and said you're going nowhere
modern man I'm a modern man